0: Well, good morning. Um, Normally, I don't do anything in between the video, you know, and going in because usually the video is tied in with the message. But I just want to take a moment this morning and say a couple of things. First off this, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. I am honored to serve with the two guys that I get to serve with. And I want you to know that. And you are blessed to have them on staff. My daughter was supposed to sing today. And the call did come at 10.56 last night as I groggily reached over and looked at the phone and said, Hello. Can I talk to Mama? I threw the phone at Jean and said, It's your daughter. <laughs> and she was pukey. Thank you, David, for filling in so wonderfully. Thank you, brother, for the work you do. But I want to go one step further. I am honored to be your pastor. And I'll say that why. There's some times I, it's difficult to say that <laughs> because we're people. But as I watched... My church family, the one God's entrusted to me, come forward and put money in these pots. Knowing that we would not benefit from it, but that your heart was, we want to help hungry people in the world. I am extremely honored to be your pastor. Thank you for being obedient to God in this tremendous area of giving. I just want to say thank you today. It may be Pastor Appreciation Month, but I know three guys who appreciate you very much, and we are grateful to be your pastors. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. Yeah. Today's, today's message, if you've got your sermon sheet, there's, there's one of those in the bulletin that has the wrong reference and the wrong translation. It's supposed to be 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7. through seven. It's not Holman Christian Standard. It's New King James Version. So make that note, please, if you're using the sermon sheet this morning. And again, we're just so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. And I'm very glad. And we'll have the Scriptures on the screen. And of course, we hope that you brought uh, your copy of the Word of God. So the sermon title today is Lost Prayers. And you'll see how that kind of ties in in just a moment. But you know, um, have you ever gone to the doctor before? And... Uh, you go to the doctor, you know, say, doctor, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this really, I, I feel real tight chested. Um, I, I have this incessant cough of mine, especially in the morning. I just wake up and just cough, just cough, 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 cough. And doctor, what do you think? And, and, and he goes something like this. Well, you probably need to give up the two packs a day. And then, and then you say to the doctor, uh, what else do you have? <laughs> or, or maybe it's this, maybe it's this. You, you go to your favorite store and you buy the gym clothes, you know, you got you the running suit or you got the little short thing and T-shirt going on, you know, and, and you notice that the size is just bigger than it used to be. You know, it's cool because you're getting more for your money, but, but you put on the gym clothes, you know, and, and, you, and you go down to one of the fitness centers and you sign up and you say, I'm going to be there and you walk in and there's a guy that's there to help you in your new journey. And so he goes, okay, what do you want to do? So, well, I really like getting in shape, maybe lose a few pounds. Awesome. Well, here's what I want you to do. And he's been describing what might be necessary for you to get into better shape and lose a few pounds. And you say, well, what else do you have? Or perhaps maybe you go to your car, your mechanic, because your car is making the funny little noises that you don't like when cars make. Like rumbles and squeaks and groans and things like that. And you go and you say, and your mechanic says, Well we really need to spend two or three hundred dollars and get this right, and you say, What else do you have? And on and on it goes in areas of our lives. And you know what? It's not just things like that. It really bleeds over into our spiritual lives. Now, when I say that, I'm talking to the guys and gals here who have made that commitment to become believers in Jesus Christ and are choosing to walk the road with Jesus Christ, the road life with Jesus Christ. So that's who I'm speaking to. But, but we have this thing, you know, we're all on board for the cross. We all, yay, we applaud the cross, you know. We're all for God, you know. And we, we're thankful for the cross because it is by the, what happened on the cross that is the death of Jesus Christ that, that mere mortals and sinners can come back into full relationship with God. That we can have our sins forgiven. And we really think that's incredible. But I've been in this long enough, and, and, and I've been a believer now for about 37 years, and I know me well enough to know that while I am never ungrateful for the cross... In fact, I have no problem when Dave chooses the songs and stuff to get on board and clap and sing. Y'all, y'all see me up here. One day you might just see me dance. I just start swaying because I'm so enthralled with the cross. But there's other things in God's Word that I wrestle with. You know, like that love your enemy thing. You know, like like forgiveness and don't be bitter and those kind of things, you know, I wrestle with those things. And it's, it's, it, when, it's, when it's the cross, I go, yay! But, but when it's not the cross, I kind of want to look at God and go, what else you got? Because the, the solutions that God offers in life are often difficult. True. And they work, but difficult. And so, that's the message today. It's a very, very timely message. But if my guess was right, a lot of us are going to push back and go, what else you got? We want to talk about today what God's Word says about praying for the leadership of our country, of our state, of our community. Because often we have emotions with with those folks that make it very difficult to pray for them. And yet God's word speaks very very specifically and even gives us a reason why we should do that. So again, hope your Bibles are open to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 and we're going to look at God's word about what God says should be our response to pray for our leaders. Again, a very timely Message because of where we are in our political strep- spectrum in the country today. So, we start out, and I've got four points. I worked really hard to get all the P's and the G's right. We've got the plan of God. We've got the passion of God. We've got the provision of God. And then finally, we'll have the proclaimer of God. Look at the plan of God. It starts with, with this. We have Paul saying, therefore. Now, 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 let me pause. We always say, when there's a word, therefore, we look up and say what the word is. Therefore, okay, we always do. Now, you need to know that Timothy was a real guy, a young pastor, and he was the pastor at the church of Ephesus, okay? Ephesus was a very popular Roman town in that day, okay? So Paul, as mentor, is writing to a young preacher boy, helping him become the pastor that God wants him to be. And in that, of course, we learn some great truths from God's Word, all right? So if the word, therefore, is there because in verse uh, 18, 19, and 20 of uh, 1 Timothy 1, okay? Read these words. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies uh, previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, that you might fight a good fight. Having faith and a good conscience, of which some, having rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So he's encouraging Timothy because some people that were God followers are are now spiritually shipwrecked. Okay, And he says this, Of whom are Hymenius. And Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, these apparently are two guys who professed faith in Jesus Christ, okay? And then started walking away from the faith. And they shipwrecked their faith. And not only did they do that, they're apparently making life pretty difficult for this guy named Paul. So, so Paul turns them over to Satan. And that sounds really gruff, but basically he did this. He looked at God and said, okay, God, I, I want to release these two men to do whatever you want to do in their lives. If you want to use Satan as a weapon against them, that they may learn not to blaspheme, I release them to you. So so that's the therefore. And now Paul continues that thought about praying for people, about how to deal with people. So he says this, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So Paul says that when you're dealing with people or concerning people, first of all, should be that we should learn to pray for them. Now, notice he starts out by saying, for all men. And there's really not a lot of weight in the fact that Paul says, you know, supplications, intercessions, prayers, and and giving thanks. There's not like there's a formula there. It's like he's building, emphasizing the fact that we need to be prayer warriors for people. Now, that includes folks that you love. That includes people that you really genuinely care about. And it may be a difficult time that they're going through. They may be discouraged. They may have physical ailments. It includes all those things that we kind of normally put into the prayer bucket. Okay? It's those kind of things. But, you know, the word all is kind of like inclusive. <laughs> so Paul is saying we don't just pray, though, for the ones that we're concerned about. It, we pray for the ones that we're having difficulty with. So, again, I, I use this example because I, ha- I live on an alley and often people walk their dogs down my alley and we got these nice seven, eight, ten of these little short green trees. I mean, I nurse these puppies through the drought. I carried buckets of five gallons of water out there and put it on these trees and let it drip in there real slow so they stay alive. And, you know, from my perspective, those are some good looking trees. But when you go around to the alley side, almost every one of them are dead at the bottom. Can you guess why? They've been watered another way. By all the little neighboring dogs that come by and say, that looks like a fire hydrant to me. And they proceed to water my trees. Of course, my little dog may be guilty of that. One, she's a female, so we don't have that problem. And two, she weighs six pounds, so it's not a... Well, you know what I mean. So anyway... So so we have this situation where we have people that you kind of just wrestle with. And God says, pray for them. And you say, and we say, and I say sometimes, what else you got? Because prayer isn't the first word that comes to your mind when you think about those people. They may have hurt you. They may have slandered you. They may have insulted you. And the word prayer isn't the first word that pops into your brain. Other things pop in first. But Paul says, no, no, no. no." And he's talking to the church. No, no, no. First of all, I, know, I exhort you. I beg you. I urge you. First of all, that, that supplications, that's requests. And prayer, that's just a general term. Intercession. Hey, God, help them. When you intercede for someone, you're saying, hey, God, help them. Intercede and giving of thanks be made for them. Wow. I know that's, that's really radical. But then it gets more radical. Because he says, all men. And then he says, for kings and all who are in authority. So so Paul is saying that we need to, first of all, be a people of prayer. Okay? We need to be a people of prayer that prays for all men. And especially for kings and those in authority over us. Now, here's the deal. Because we push back... I, I, Come on. Have you ever really come and pray for someone and went something like this? Get them! Got a little lightning right now would we'll be just about right. Fry them puppies. Come on. See, the, the scope of prayer that we're speaking about, this is not your standard prayer. It has to be viewed in the lens of what Jesus himself taught about prayer. And it goes something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, honored be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you and I both know our prayers are more like this. Hey, God, this is what I want done. Would you please get on it? But Jesus, when, when, he was, when he taught them the Sermon on the Mount, and later, when, when the guys were, you know, said, Hey, Jesus, you know, John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And he said, Okay. And he taught them the same lesson again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be by thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. In other words, God, what you want done up there, let it be done down here. And that's how we've got to view prayer We're dealing with people. We believe that God is sovereign and that God is working in the lives of men and women and circumstances in our lives. We've got to believe that and we've got to trust God for that. So God's word says that we are to pray for the kings. We're to pray for the ones, uh, the president, the vice president, those, those in our lives. And he uses a more general term. Those in our lives who have authority over us. Now. I shared with a sister yesterday what we're going to talk about, and, and she kind of did what I, frankly, would want to do. I kind of want to push back. You pray, pray for the president, you know, pray for the vice president, pray for that Congress. You, know, you kind of want to just push back because it's difficult. Because in so many areas, with so many of the politicians, as Christians, we vehemently disagree. And so we kind of want to push back from that. All right? Let me give you a context. I told her I had a, I had a secret, I had a, I had a bullet in my gun that, that really would help us understand this. When Paul wrote this, he was either in prison or just out of prison. Okay? And as I told you, the pastor of the church is Timothy, and he pastors at the church of Ephesus, the First Baptist Church of Ephesus, not Baptist, but, you know, the First Church of Ephesus. And, and so he was under Roman authority. Would you like to know who the the emperor was of Rome at that time? Nero. Now, this was written probably in 60, 61, 62 A.D. By A.D. 65, just three years later, Nero is taking Christians, hanging them on poles, covering them with tar, and lighting them a fire. He lit the roads of Rome with the bodies of believers. You think you've got it bad? Understanding that when Paul wrote this about the kings, he was saying, you need to pray for the guy who is taking Christians and burning them on poles. What else you got? This might be a really short sermon, Dwayne, because I don't like that one. I know. But is God's word God's word or is it not? And fortunately, he tells us who to pray for, all men, for kings and all those in authority. But he also gives us the reason why. Here's the reason why. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Now, there's two parts there. First, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. That's part one. And part two is in all godliness and reverence. All right, now first off this, you've got to get out of your mind a quiet, peaceful life. It's not not Mayberry. It's not a life of ease. What he's trying to teach is, is that in that quiet and peaceful with godliness and reverence, is that he's saying that when the government is willing to allow Christians to do what Christians need to do, The kingdom is advanced. And when it's not, it's not. He's not saying that so you can take a life of ease, lay back, and not have any stress about being a believer. He's saying he wants an environment where the kingdom work is not hindered. In so many countries in this world, it is. Mali, where we, I was in March, I was in Mali, and two weeks after I was home, or three weeks after I was home, there was a great overthrow of the government. And Mali was a very peaceful place. And because of that, the northern kingdom, the northern part of Mali now, is under Al Qaeda rule. And, and the Sharia law, law is being implemented where unwed mothers are being stoned. I mean, it's very, very difficult, very hard. Things change quickly. It was pretty easy to be a believer in Mali compared to that in Niger, But it's becoming more difficult. And thank God that I still had the right as a pastor to stand up here and preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. We should be thankful for that. In Canada, if you stand up and preach, or in parts of Canada, if you stand up and preach that homosexuality is a sin, it's against the law. And the reason Paul says we should pray for government leaders so there might continue to be a freedom to preach and to teach. It's not so we can have comfy lives. It's that the kingdom could be advanced. And frankly, that's what God's about. He's not too hip on you just being comfortable. He's hip on His name being glorified. And He's great about the kingdom being advanced. So that's why Paul says, pray for the kings and pray for people of authority that you may lead a quiet and peaceful life. I love the idea. Judy read me portions of a book called The Subversive Church. The Underground Church. It's learning it's learning to do a block party and you give away free food and door prizes and stuff. And they, the world, looks out and says, oh, it's a party, let's go. But we're there to be like Jesus. The Subversive Church. It's cool when people come to our church building, you know, and want to know about Jesus. Baby, figure it out, if we're going to win lots of people to Christ, we've got to get outside these doors. And there was a time when I could stand on a pulpit or stand on a street corner and and pound the Word of God and preach and it would be effective. But those days are slipping away from us and it's more effective now to go out and be Jesus and show Jesus and share Jesus one-on-one with people, the subversive church. So that's what Paul's saying. Pray for these kings and the authorities so that we can continue to advance the kingdom Of God. But he even has a deeper thrust than that. Look look at verse number 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable. This being praying for all men. Praying for the kings, the government. Praying for those in authority over us. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Not all prayers we pray are acceptable. The lightning strike one. In fact, you remember James and John when one time a village kicked Jesus out, and they went to Jesus and said, Hey, you want us to ask the Father to send down a little fire? James and John, sons of thunder. You know, not all prayers are acceptable. Paul says, Here's an acceptable prayer. Pray for your president. Pray for your vice president. Pray for the Supreme Court justices. Pray for both houses of Congress. Pray for our government, our state legislators. Um, Pray for our city governments, our school boards, and all in authority over us. Pray for them. And then he says this. This God is acceptable who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. God says, pray for these people. That if, they're to, if they do not have a relationship with Jesus, that they would. That's a good place for an amen. amen. And if they know Jesus, that would, they would come to full knowledge of the truth. Let me expound on that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So Paul says that if a person, an authority is lost... The greatest thing you can do to impact their realm of authority is for them to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I mean, example. Your, your neighbor is an obnoxious alcoholic. Wild parties, loud music, and you are frustrated. You can call the cops. You know, there's not nine things you can different do. You can pound on the door at midnight and say, Turn that music down! I've had it with you! Or you could pray for them to be saved. I promise you, a real encounter with Jesus Christ will probably take care of the alcoholism and the wild parties. See? So he says, Pray, you know, God's desire is that all people become saved. And come to a knowledge of the truth. This is truth. This is truth. So not only not only they might be saved, but they'd have knowledge of the truth. Now, let me help you here. Do you suppose. And we will not debate President Obama's salvation. Joe Biden's salvation. The Congress's salvation. The Supreme Court's salvation. The governor's salvation, both houses in the state's salvation, the mayor's salvation, the city council's salvation, the county board's salvation, the school board's salvation, the superintendent school's salvation. We're not going to debate, debate that because it doesn't matter. What matters is this. The truth is this. Do you suppose that, A, if the president was a, was a follower of Jesus Christ and a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, in that the source for his values and principles was not based on what his party believes, but what this book says, do you think he'd have a different approach to governing America? Do you think that Joe Biden would have a different approach if he in fact was, and I'm not saying he is or not, a follower of Jesus Christ and came to knowledge of the truth and made his decisions based on what this book says? Do you think it would change things? Do you think it would change the Supreme Court? I know it's a stretch, but do you think it could change Congress? It could. It would. And that's why Paul says, because God wants all men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. What America needs is leaders, not Democrat Republican. It does not matter. What we need are leaders who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have sold out their hearts, their lives, their values to Jesus Christ. That's what matters. And I'm telling you, that will make an impact when God's people pray. And that's why Paul said, first and foremost, pray. Now, I'm not saying don't do anything else. There are times when we need to act. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the service. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we should be prayer warriors that God would move mightily in every leader in the scope of our world that their first priority would be that they know Jesus Christ and that they would be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say something. It would be radical if the Congress did that. It would be radical if the church did that. I told, I think I told Brent, I told David, I told Sandy, I told Judy. You know, part of my readings this week was the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I said out loud, I'm sitting in my green room, you know, where I do my devotion thing. I'm reading this and I said to God out loud, I said, God, we don't do this stuff. That part about loving your enemy? About if a man looks at a woman, he's already committed adultery with her. That, that if a Roman soldier, if a person in your life who causes you strife, asks you to go one mile, you should go two. That if a person slaps you, you should turn the other cheek. If a person asks for your coat, you give them your cloak also. We're not doing that. But imagine how different a church, a local government, a state government, a national government, a White House would be if our goal was to implement that in our lives. And you say, that will never happen. I say, if God can cause a 14-year-old Jewish girl to become pregnant and bear the Savior of the world, who could live a sinless life, who could die on a cross, who could resurrect on the third day, and who's coming back again, all things are possible. That's why I tell you, all things are possible. We just have to have faith. We have to believe. He goes on and says this. For there is one God. And there is one mediator. There's one in between. Between God and men. And it's the man Christ Jesus who gave him life himself a ransom for all. And this is to be publicized, is to be testified in the coming days. That's the hope, guys. That's the hope. We, we need to promote the message with all we've got that there is one God. There's not a, plurum, there's not a bunch of gods. There, there is not a manifold of gods. There is one true God. And there guess what? There really is one way. One mediator. And it is Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with the Baptist church, Catholic church, Methodist church, Presbyterian church, non-denominational church. The one mediator is Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom. That means to pay the price. Literally, from the Greek, it means to pay the price. He paid the price for God's wrath. Our sin experienced God's wrath that day on the cross. Oh, 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 oh. And by the way. After they had finished nailing the railroad spikes, nails, through his wrists and through his feet. And they lifted him up naked after beating him nearly to death. He didn't call down lightning. He could have. He could have. I was going to say he could flick his finger. He could have fought it. And 10,000 angels would have come to his rescue. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah, but Dwayne, he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. Okay, I'm going to give you that. How about Stephen? The first martyr who had the guts to preach a straight-laced message in front of the Sanhedrin, and they got mad and they stoned him to death? The first martyr? An ordinary guy like me and you? And he looks up to heaven and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus practiced it. Stephen practiced it. God's word teaches it. There's one mediator between God and man. And he paid the ransom that we could have forgiveness. And that is the hope of America. I said it before and I'll just say it again. It really is not Barack Obama. and It really is not Mitt Romney. It is Jesus Christ. He's the unspoken man on the ballot. And it rests in the church of God because there's no plan B. God has placed in the church of God the the mission of evangelizing America. And that's why we need to be about the business of winning every person we can to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus changes men whether they live in the White House or the housing projects. He changes the lives of people. Amen? So what do we do? What do we do? Well, first off this. One, you need to vote. You need to vote. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you need to vote. Now, I would recommend to you read the Bible, but at least go on the internet, find out what these people stand for, okay? And then let your conscience be your guide. If you're a non believer. No preacher, you don't need you don't need any more than that from me. But if you are a Christ follower, if you if if I would say today, how many of you are Christ followers? I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I've received Jesus, and ask you to raise your hand, this is for you. You need to vote. And you don't need to vote Democrat, and you don't need to vote Republican. You need a voter guide. I happen to know of a good one. It's this. It's this If you're a Christ follower Some of the key issues You know I think it's kind of funny In God's world the economy is not the key I know it is for us But in God's economy It's not the big issue But things that break the heart of God's, like, like The heart of God like abortion Like same sex marriage By the way I think it was God who came up with the marriage idea Not us so we shouldn't be messing with it if they want to have same-sex marriage, they need to call something besides marriage because marriage belongs to God. Marriage belongs to God. So if you're a Christ follower, what you've got to do is, is you've got to look in here and see what God says and then compare any candidate that you're voting for, whether it be school board or whether it be the White House. And then you need to do what God's Word says. You need to find the candidate that closest matches the heart of God And that's how you need to vote. You don't need me to stand and say, vote for this person or that person. Wouldn't do it, won't do it. But I will, as a pastor, tell you this, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this needs to be your voting guide. Get into the Word, see what the Word says, and follow the Word of God. That's what we need to do. So you need to vote. Second thing is this. We really need to follow Paul's example. Now, now this is where verse um, 7 comes in. Here's, here's Here's what it says. For which I was appointed, and can I read the other verse because it needs to tie in. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher, and apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Now, kind of like us, okay, there were still some people running around of Jewish heritage who thought the Gentiles had no business being saved. They had nothing, well, nothing to do with it. So Paul is emphasizing, now wait a minute, I am apostle appointed by God to the Gentiles. You got that? To the Gentiles. You might want to push back and say, what else you got? Because I don't want to pray about that stuff. We need to be Proclaimers in our words and our actions that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So you need to vote. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to follow the Word of God. I don't even think that's an opinion, I think it's a mandate from God. Secondly, you need to live in such a way that people look at your life and go, I want what you got. I, I can see something. There's something different there. In hard times, you're different. In good times, you're different. You seem to live differently. What do you have? Live in such a way. To be a proclaimer in words and actions of Jesus Christ. The third thing is this. We've got to trust God. we got to trust God. When Jesus was standing before Pilate, Pilate said, you better talk to me. Don't you know I have authority to either let you live or to kill you? And Jesus said, looked at him, said you have no authority unless it was given to you by my Father. <laughs> Romans 13.1 says it is God who puts men, women in authority. So it boils down to this. We've got to trust God. I think we should do what we should do as we feel like directed by the Word of God. But what if on Wednesday morning, the guy that you did want in the White House is in the White House? You trust God. Peace Because God is sovereign. He's in control. He's in control of, of little elections. He's in control of big elections. He's in control of little circumstances and big circumstances. My God, your God is God. He is in control. We've got to trust him. Dwayne, what? I, know. I was going to say something about God maybe using, maybe bringing American time of, of correction, of judgment. I don't know. I just know these are very late days, and in God's calendar, it sure appears. I mentioned last week, don't know the date, not going to name a date. But I know our country's walked a long way away from God. And every time Israel did that, Brent, you remember? He brought in judgment, didn't he? It's just possible that God's trying to correct us. Not because He hates us, He certainly doesn't do that, because He desires all men to be saved. But He could be bringing us. In a judgment to bring us back home as a nation. As a nation. Dwayne, do you pray every day for Barack Obama? I don't. Joe so Biden? I do good pray for Judy. No, I do. I pray for Judy every day. It was a good illustration, though, at the moment. But can I, can I tell you what I think I do do? I think I have a pretty good attitude of prayer. And when I hear something on the news that greets me, I, I think I do pray, Father, please, be God in this situation. When I read news, I, I see news on the newspaper and about bad decisions it seems the government's making. I, I, I do. I, I pray in my heart. I say, God. So, so I, would, I would say, maintain an attitude of prayer. Oh, maintain an attitude of prayer during these days. During these days. That those in office become Christ followers and fully devoted disciples of Jesus and that God would have his way in whatever he's trying to do and that we'd be willing to say thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven would you bow your heads right there well there you go there you go If you're here today, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you heard way enough gospel today to know that there is one way, and His name is Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with church. has nothing to do with good people, bad people, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. You heard way enough to know that, that Jesus, a man named Jesus, who was God in the flesh, died on a cross and experience the wrath of God so you wouldn't have to. But it's a gift that you've got to receive yourself. There's no magic prayer. I heard in the video, the Judgment House video, the lady prayed the sinner prayer. There's no magic words. As far as we know, when Matthew followed Jesus, he simply got up and followed Jesus. But it is a commitment. It is a commitment to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Acknowledging that you're a sinner. Acknowledging that he died for your sins. Acknowledging that you choose him to be the Lord of your life. Brother Brent, will be standing down front here in a moment. And we'll have some other folks down here. We would love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's been 37 years for me. It's been incredible. And I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people who will tell you about that. Two, if you're here today and you followed Christ, this is an area where you need the Lordship of Jesus. And and frankly, it's very tempting to take the reins of the horse. Because I know what I'd like to see, and you know what you'd like to see. And that makes it very difficult to say, Father, I trust you. As your pastor, I want to encourage you to trust God. Do as God's words directs in your life, and then trust God for the results. Thank you, God, for the high privilege of speaking your word today. A timely message, but on a couple different levels, a pretty difficult message for us. For my friend who's here today and may not know Jesus Christ as Savior, may today be the day they say yes to him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And for all of us, may we laser focus in on what you want to happen In our lives in the coming month or so. Leading up to this election. And Father please. Much beyond that. Much beyond that. May this be a lifestyle for us. And may our prayer life not stop. The day after the election. I pray that Father. May we be a people of prayer. For all men. All those in authority. Over us. Have your way Jesus. And we pray it in your precious name. Amen.